You're listening to You Heard It Here First, the first United Methodist Church of New Ulm podcast. I'd like to begin today by sharing a story of how I met God at a winery, but I'd ask that you withhold judgment until the end of the story. Now, this is not an Acts 2, Day of Pentecost, they are drunk on new wine kind of story, so please bear with me. Several years ago, when my family and I were still living in Alexandria, I heard about a fall festival that one of the local wineries in town was hosting. It was a family-friendly event. There were hayrides, pumpkin painting, food, and other fun things to do. And I remember clear as day, standing out behind the barn, looking out at the grapevines and feeling this deep sense of peace and serenity wash over me. Enough that it made me want to linger in that place for as long as I could. You know how it goes. We want more and more of a good thing when we experience it, right? There was nothing special about these grapevines, but I was surprised by peace that day. And reflecting on our text for this week brought me back to those memories. It also reminded me a bit of some baking wisdom a friend of mine, the Reverend Katie Matson-Daly, shared with me a few years ago. As we are needed so shall we rise. And it's in the midst of all of this that we come to John chapter 15, our gospel lesson for today, which is Jesus teaching his disciples in his final hours on earth. And seems like a bit of an odd choice for a post-Easter text, but I think it's not necessarily the time frame that's the point here this week, but what Jesus was teaching. You see, we have shifted from the theme of seeing Jesus to hearing Jesus, as it were where Jesus uses the theme of a farmer who owns or works a vineyard as an allegory to teach his disciples. And just as a reminder, an allegory is a story that can be interpreted to reveal a hidden meaning. Jesus begins very clearly and simply in John, I am the true vine and my father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Now, like many of the New Testament passages on Jesus that I have encountered, I've come to discover that just like many others, this this has much less to do with my own ability or lack thereof to bear fruit and more to do with the fact that the central piece of bearing fruit is more about What Jesus makes clear to his disciples, that without me, you can do nothing. In his commentary on the Gospel of John, Craig Keener notes, Whatever particular background may have been in mind, the primary image of branches being dependent on the vine simply communicates that disciples are dependent on Jesus for their very life and can do nothing, produce no fruit, genuinely pleasing to God by themselves. Did you hear it? The whole point of this passage. Disciples are dependent on Jesus for their very life. It's not about how much we do or don't do for God, which I still need to be reminded of as a recovering perfectionist and task-oriented person. But this allegory of vines and branches beautifully illustrates the life that God desires for us. To be deeply rooted and connected to Jesus to be dependent on Jesus for our very lives. 
When I was younger, I was having Bible study with a friend, and he asked me what the original sin was. That's pride, thinking we know more and can live our li- or can live our lives without God. Perhaps that's why this notion of rugged individualism that has come to take root in our modern culture is so damaging to our Christian witness in the world. Because not only has it centered the individual above all else, it also diminishes our sense of community and has even warped our sense of Christianity a bit. And while I think that perhaps we have all experienced a renewed sense and desire for community and togetherness in the midst of the past year or so, we do still, I think, have a tendency to think of our spiritual lives as mainly private with only hints of community mixed in, which is not really the way Jesus operated. He had the 12 disciples, as well as the women who followed him, sure. But the early church was founded on that principle of community, of togetherness. Even in church history, there was a time when the sins of the community would be publicly confessed during worship on Sundays. How's that for community? Standing together in front of your priest or pastor and confessing your specific sins vocally in a group? I think many of us would cringe at the very thought of that. And while that's probably not a practice that would work for us today, perhaps, I do think the point holds in that we are connected through Christ. We are the body together. And we are called to love one another just as Christ loved us. But what really strikes me about this passage is the way in which Jesus frames the disciples' relationship with God. Abide in me as I will abide in you, otherwise known as mutual indwelling. In the 4th century, St. Gregory of Nazianzus coined the phrase perichoresis which is a theological idea that God exists as a kind of circle dance, as it were, and that there is a to and fro of love emanating from the Father to the Son to the Holy Spirit, and that we as disciples of Jesus are invited into this great dance, as it were. It echoes the metaphor of remaining or abiding as branches of the vine that Jesus, that is Jesus in our midst. We are invited into the ultimate depiction of community, the community of God, the joyous, grace-filled love that flows between God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. And yet, this text can become a bit problematic as well, can't it? Because I think we also have a tendency to hear Jesus' words about pruning in a way that does harm to our understanding of God and consequently ourselves. Because in verses 2 through 3, Jesus says, He removes any of my branches that don't produce fruit, and he trims any branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already trimmed because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, in preparing for this particular sermon, I did some research about pruning, and I came to learn that the state of a tree's fruit was said to attest to how well its farmer had cared for it reinforcing the importance of a gardener's care. Now, pruning literally means the cutting back of a vine. But the metaphor of pruning or trimming, as the case may be, also speaks volumes not only to the care of God in our midst, but also of the ways in which God works in our lives. Too often we have understood texts like these in a way that suggests God causes pain for our own good to grow us or make us into better people. But that's problematic because God can't be good if God is also the one who causes causes pain. 
And sometimes we resign our thinking, saying God has a plan, which I do believe is true. But rather than see God as the author of our pain, we can understand this pruning or trimming metaphor as one that points to God as a co-bearer of our pain. Where we can reflect on the sacrifice of Christ in our midst, or recall the words from Isaiah chapter 53, the chapter about the suffering servant, and acknowledge that God bears our pain with us. But why does this matter? It matters because we are in the fourth quarter of a major event that has caused us all some kind of pain, discomfort, suffering, etc. in our midst in some capacity. We've had to make sacrifices for the greater good as a way of trying to do our part to slow the spread of this respiratory illness. And while we have done so for the sake of love, it would be foolish to recognize that it has not come at a cost because it has. But just like any experience, we have the opportunity to glean wisdom from it, to grow through it, to become stronger people and more faithful disciples of Jesus as a result. Because as Craig Keener mentioned in his commentary, if the vine is weak, one prunes it more, leaving less fruit, and the next year the vine will be stronger and there will be more grapes. I'm also reminded of the words of Jacob to his brothers at the end of the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, which says, You planned something bad for me, but God produced something good from it, in order to save the lives of many people, just as God is doing today. And so, my hope and prayer for each of us is that we would abide deeply in Christ, that we would stay connected to the one who loves us and who cares for us, even or perhaps especially in the midst of our pain, our suffering, and our griefs. May it always be so.